you're listening to Crud Talk, a ministry of Fifty Shades of Grace. Everybody's got a story. I'm guessing like me, you've been hurt before. But what if I told you there was more to this life than being stuck in the hurt and sin of your past? Hey, we all have crud, but it's how we deal with it that makes all the difference. Today's episode is brought to you by a generous sponsor who shall remain nameless. We thank you for your gift, which allows us to share hope and continue to help people deal with the crud in their lives. So thank you. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Crud Talk. I'm Sonia Bruner. How are y'all doing? So I just wanted to say a great big thank you to all of you who've sponsored the Crud Talk podcast. Did I just say Crud Talk? (laughs) The Crud Talk podcast. Yeah, I'm tongue-tied today. This is going to be interesting. Really, seriously, I mean, all kidding aside, all of you who continue to come forward and to offer support because you believe in what God's doing in the ministry, I'm truly overwhelmed by that. Um, it does take resources, you know, anybody who's been in ministry understands that it does take money. It's true. Um, but I have literally been overwhelmed by the support. Um, it's such a huge encouragement to me when I hear your stories and the feedback about what an episode has meant to you or what God showed you regarding something he wants you to be working on in your own life. I love hearing from people. I love it. I mean, I get to hear from people all over the world. We've got people dealing with their crud. We've got people who are healing. They're getting stronger in their faith and people are getting saved. I mean, is there anything greater than that? You guys, this is so much more than I ever dreamed it would be. I'm seriously blown away. Excited for sure, grateful, all of it to get to do what I do. So thank you, thank you, thank you for being a part of it with me. I love it. So today I'm talking about my least favorite thing on the planet (laughs) waiting (laughs) and all God's people said amen I've heard from a bunch of you that you are in a season of waiting as well and you're sick of it (laughs) I get it believe me I get it so when Tyler and Ryan were little they had a DVD of the Looney Tune characters as babies y'all it was super cute there was an episode that they were playing restaurant and Tweety Bird is sitting at the table with, I think it was um, Bugs Bunny, yeah. Anyway, Sylvester is dressed in a tuxedo and he's standing at the table. He's just standing there, not doing anything. He's just standing there. He's supposed to take their order and get them whatever the food is that they order. And all of a sudden his boss, Daffy Duck, comes, he gets super mad. Daffy Duck always got super mad. He, that's, that, he was like the best one. He comes running out and he gets mad at me. He says, what are you doing? Take their order. Why are you just standing there? And Sylvester looks him dead in the eye and says, I'm a waiter, so I'm waiting. (laughs) For years, we've been quoting that. We quote that saying, what are you doing? I'm waiting. I'm a waiter. I just love it. We would just die laughing. So we're going to take some waiting lessons from Sylvester from Looney Tunes. (laughs) I have been waiting a long time, just waiting and waiting. I pray about it. I seek godly counsel about it. I pray about it some more. And I'm, I'm, I guess I've been okay for a while, 
But as time goes on and I'm still waiting and I'm still waiting, I haven't heard anything, nothing's changing. I've had moments of completely blowing it with my attitude, my insecurities or my doubt, my human flesh tendency to make something happen. It's like my mind screams, do something, Sonia. And then when I do that, it never, ever, ever works out the way that I thought it would. And I'm always left feeling empty and discouraged. So this is interesting. I paid attention over the last several weeks and I noticed that I get the most anxious or fearful or angry or even bitter. It's, it's like unsettled or discouraged. Like life is out of control and nothing is okay or nothing is good or positive when I take my focus off of God. Y'all, because I was paying attention, I saw it immediately. The moment I took my focus off of God and took matters into my own hands because I doubted. Well, no, let's just call it what it is. I lost trust in Jesus. That's when Satan sees an easy opportunity. And I'm the one that's given him the access to me. And then he whispers in my ear, if he really loved you, he would give it to you. But see, he doesn't. Or he'll say, you have to do something. Then you'll get what you want. Or this is a good one. You don't need to wait. You deserve to have it now. So we're talking about Noah today and waiting. So the story goes like this. God created everything. The earth, the plants, animals, people. God told Adam and Eve not to eat from the tree in the middle of the garden. The serpent, which is Satan, by the way, the devil. The serpent came to Eve and said, did God really say you can't eat from fruit from any of the trees in the garden and he was like no we can eat fruit but not from that tree in the middle or we'll die and the great liar himself said you won't die god knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it and you will be like god knowing both good and evil the woman wanted the wisdom it would give her so she took the fruit and ate it and then gave some to adam and he ate it too adam and eve sinned against god They wanted to be like God. And from then on, sin was here. We'll fast forward to Noah's day and wickedness was rampant. Reminds me of the world today, actually. (laughs) Genesis 6, 5, it says, when the Lord saw that man's wickedness was widespread on the earth and that every scheme his mind thought of was nothing but evil all the time. Listen to verse six and seven. The Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. Verse seven, then the Lord said, I will wipe off from the face of the earth mankind whom I created together with the animals, creatures that crawl and birds of the sky. For I regret that I made them. (sighs) A few things jump out here. Number one, sin grieves the heart of God. And the Bible says the Lord regretted making man. You guys, that makes my heart sick to read that. I had to just keep reading it over and over and over. Maybe it's just me, but do you all feel this way? I feel like I don't grasp the concept of sin. I know sin is bad and that we should try not to do it. But if I'm honest, I focus on the forgiveness part and rarely do I focus on how it hurts his heart. My sin grieves God. 
You know what I mean? I feel like I need to do better at trying to grasp how much sin hurts God. He hates it. And the other side of this is how much it cost Jesus to pay my debt of my sin. Oh, I got to do better. If I don't have any brokenness over my sin, then I feel like I'm not truly understanding the gravity or the cost of what God did for us by sending Jesus. If we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. We can walk in freedom. But you don't forget for one minute what that freedom cost Jesus Christ. Mm. Number two, how we walk, where we walk, who we walk with makes all the difference. In Genesis, we're talking about Noah here. In Genesis 6, 9, it goes on to say, Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on the earth at the time. And he walked in close fellowship with God. Right away, when I read that, I feel defeated. How in the world could someone, anyone, be blameless? I'm sorry, but I was totally defeated. I can't do that. You know what I mean? It bummed me out because I was like, there's no way. I mean, that ain't going to happen with this chick. Why? Because I feel like I always blow it. No matter how hard I try, I get distracted or I get sidetracked. I'm selfish, lazy. I get overwhelmed. I take matters into my own hands because I feel like I've got to do something, right? Or maybe it's not happening in the timetable that I feel it should be, so I just take over. Or am I the only one? (laughs) Maybe it's just me. But here's the reason why he was blameless. This is the key. Noah was walking in close fellowship with God. Are we walking in close fellowship consistently with God? We're talking about crud and dealing with our crud. So let's not be afraid to ask the hard question. Are we walking in close fellowship with God? So we keep going in the story and God told Noah to build a boat. God gave Noah the exact instructions he needed to save his family and the animals so that the earth could be replenished. Number three, when God says it, we need to do whatever he says to do exactly as he says to do it. We're still in Genesis. Verse 22 says, Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. I wonder in my own life, how many times I didn't do it exactly how God told me to do it. Did I get lazy? Did did I get tired of waiting? Did I feel like I knew better than he did? Did I jump ahead of him or cut corners? Let's just sit on this for a moment. Have I done everything exactly as God commanded me? Sweet mother of Abraham Lincoln, is anybody else feeling the kick in the old gluteus maximus or is it just me? I was talking to somebody last night and I said, I never post a podcast or write an article or any kind of, on any topic that God is not dealing with me or walking me through at the same time, ever. Have I, have we done everything exactly the way that God commanded us? Ouch. That's an ouch. So Noah and the gang, they're floating in the water for 150 days. Okay, did you hear what I said? They're floating in the water for 150 days. Can you imagine? We can't even wait more than 10 minutes for our food. And think of all the poop that they had to scoop. 
Just about the time they got all the animals fed, they'd have to turn around and do it all again. Okay, think about this. 150 days. There's nothing but animals and your family. (laughs) Let's just sit on that one for a minute and poop for 150 days. 150 days, people. Mm. Waiting proves our faith. It proves our trust and our confidence in Jesus. That's number four. When we are waiting, we have a choice. We can be angry and bitter and discouraged, or we can reaffirm our trust or our commitment and dig in deep with Jesus and his word. What does that do? That reaffirms what he said, what he's promised, and what he has already done in our lives. I talk about this a lot. When you're feeling discouraged, when I'm feeling discouraged and weary from the battle, and you're waiting on the Lord to come through, you might be tempted to jump in and do it yourself. Stop and go back to what Jesus has already done in your life. How he saved you, how he loved you, and taught you about his heart, how he's provided for you over and over again. There is a time to plow, a time to sow, and a time to reap, but they are never done all together or at the same time by the same person. So here's one of my I wanted to include this today because this is one of my all-time favorite devotional books. It's an excerpt. It's called The book is called Secrets of the Secret Place by Bob Sorge, S-O-R-G-E. This is what he writes. There are seasons when God calls us to simply wait. We might prefer the adrenaline of chasing down a great cause, but sometimes God calls us to stop all activity and to just wait. Sometimes he gives us no choice. Occasionally, circumstances will constrain us beyond our ability to steer a different course and we become prisoners to the chains that bind us to God's will. Incapable of extricating ourselves and moving on to the next thing, all we can do is stand and wait. It is commonly said, don't just stand there, do something. When circumstances in our lives are careening out of control, the great temptation when you don't know what to do is to do something. But God switches that around and says, don't just do something, stand there. When you don't know what to do, don't just do something. Wait on me, stand before me, minister to me until, until I speak. When I speak to you, then you can move out in response. But until I speak, just stand there and wait. Mr. Sorge goes on to write, to stand before God and wait in this way, we can learn something from the angels. Look at Gabriel. This is cool, you guys. Gabriel is seen three times in the Bible. He appeared the first time to Daniel, and then almost 600 years later, he visited Zacharias. Then he came to Mary six months later to announce her impregnation by the Holy Spirit. When Gabriel came to Zacharias with God's message, Zacharias did not believe his words. In response to Zacharias' unbelief in Luke 1, verse 19, Gabriel rose up to reinforce the certainty of his message by declaring... I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. Okay, you guys, this is my favorite part of this chapter, and this is the part that's stuck with me all these years. This is so good. So think of it as an interview style. So he writes, what do you do, Gabriel? We might ask. I stand in the presence of God. Yeah, we understand that, but what do you do? Actually, I stand in the presence of God. Yes, yes, Gabriel, we understand that, but when we're, what we're asking is, what do you do? Gabriel would say, that's what I do. I stand in the presence of God. I just stand there. 
beholding his majesty and splendor, burning with his holy flame, and wait upon him until he speaks. If he says nothing, I just stand there. When he gives me a word, then I move out to fulfill it. But mostly, what I do is, I just stand before God and wait on him. So the author goes on to say, between Daniel and Zacharias is a 600-year span during which we hear nothing from Gabriel. Then between Zacharias and Mary was a six-month period. Mr. Sorge asks the question, what did Gabriel do between assignments? He just stood there. The scriptures show us that God has mighty angels who stand in his presence, in some cases for hundreds of years, and wait for his bidding. And I love what he says here. This is Mr. Sorge's point. With all their strength and might, because remember, that's how God himself, you know, he created the angels to be that way. With all their strength and might, God has them just standing around the throne waiting on him. God doesn't need our strength or our talent or our super smart ideas. He wants our attention. He wants our availability. He's just looking for us to stand and wait in his presence, to gaze upon him, to love him, obey his word when he speaks. He wants us to trust him. Time waiting, standing in his presence because we can. Let's just stop right here, you guys, and ask ourselves, is that a bad assignment? Come on now, for real. Is that ever bad to wait in his presence? Nope, never. Next one is, God keeps his word always. He doesn't say one thing and then do another. In Genesis 8, verse 1, look what he does. But God remembered Noah. Again, if you're struggling with waiting for an answer, go back through your life and remind yourself of each and every way God has been faithful and kept his word to you. The next one is time is never wasted by God. We are the ones who waste time that he's given us. So I saw on social media this week, I couldn't find the author, I looked it up, but it, it, it's really good, you guys. There's something about waiting three days from the death of Jesus to the resurrection. The presence of silence never equals the absence of God. Oh, isn't that good? The presence of silence never equals the absence of God. Waiting is where faith actually becomes necessary. A God of immediate gratification requires no faith. It's in the waiting and the silence where faith develops. I love that. The next one is worship and thanks first. Then you can go on with whatever you need to do. Look at this in Genesis 8, verse 20. Noah built an altar to the Lord. He did burnt offerings. Worshiping God and thanking him for all he's done is a great thing to do while we're waiting. So I ask you, is there something that you're waiting for? Maybe you've been praying and praying and praying and you don't know when the answer is going to come and you're starting to feel really discouraged. Stop before you jump in and try to fix it yourself because I can promise you it never ever goes the way that you think it will. But what you can do is you can pray and you can seek godly counsel and you can trust that God loves you more than anything and he wants what's best for you. So if we're willing to wait on God, what an awesome privilege that is, right? What an awesome privilege to stand before God 
waiting on him in, in his presence. That is so fantastic. Oh my goodness. Lord, help us all to wait and trust you. And while we're waiting, to totally worship you and thank you for all that you've done and to keep continuing to do exactly everything you've told us to do. Woo, that's a good word. I'm Sonia Bruner. This is Crud Talk. See you next time.